And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 153. Welcome. Welcome to the world of Myth Bits. We are here for the review issue episode. <laughs> we, it, I also lied. It's just me this week. Me and Joe, our schedules are a little misaligned. Everything's been in a bit of a funk since Scarefair. So we knew we kind of had to, to bulldoze through and make sure that the review gets out so everybody gets to uh, uh, deal with the delight of the review episode. So, I'm sorry, it's just me this week, but I'm gonna gonna do my part. So, housekeeping? There's really none. It's been a week. I I think Scarefair took everything out of me. Just, I mean, emotional and physical exhaustion that I cannot even fathomably put into words. I'm pooped. I am pooped. Uh, (laughs) Because there's so much build up and then it happened. You know, it's Christmas or Halloween, all all those big events. And then it happens and you're like, what what now? What is my life now? Uh, There will be a meeting with the board of directors uh, Sunday. So we have that to look forward to and seeing how everything will proceed from here on out after Scarefare and moving forward, especially as we head on a really fast trajectory into 2022. Because uh, as much as I want this year to end, it's moved very oddly paced. <laughs> Too fast, uh, if I do say so myself. It feels like it was December like yesterday. Okay, I guess I have a little bit of personal housekeeping that's a little fun. Uh, At Scarefair, I got to meet Walter G. Esselman face-to-face. We all did. Everybody got to meet Walter. And I've been planning this. I was like, I can't wait to, to, to like scream boast about getting to meet Walter come the podcast because... It's so fun when you get to meet somebody. It was meet, like meeting Stephanie for the first time, you know, and you get to meet or or Melissa when I met her last year. Yeah, last year, uh, 2020. So when you get to like come face to face with these writers whose work you're so familiar with, you know, you see their pictures, their little bio displays and everything, and then you actually get to meet them face to face. I imagine it's a lot more fun, like, like for the board of directors, everybody who gets to see his face, you know, every month on, on FaceTime or Zoom or whatever. But for me, it was so exciting. And he is simply... Uh, one of the the nicest people I've ever met. He bought one of my originals, one of my little baby originals. Um, so yeah, I had to kind of like scream, scream, boast about that because that was for me personally one of the biggest highlights of Scarefair was getting to meet Walter. 
Um, and we've been talking on and off again for the past week since he had to fly back the day after. Oh my gosh, I talk about my exhaustion. I can't even imagine that. And I also got to meet Russo. That was exciting too, because again, that's a face, you know, that you 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 hear the name, you hear all about him, and then you get to come face to face with him. It's I don't know, it's just so much fun. Um, so that like I said, that's one of the biggest highlights is getting to see and meet these people that you you hear about, you read them, you you, know, you have a, a, a mental history with these people. So I don't know. That was really exciting for me. That was that was a fun day. I'm still grappling. And you know what? You know what? I get to jump into doing Comic-Con Revolution in uh, next month, in December 18th and 19th in Ontario, um, California. <laughs> that is a two-day event. So now we can actually jump in to the review the Halloween issue, the issue I've been waiting for since last Halloween, and now I am eagerly awaiting next year's issue as well because it was so good and I am so excited. I really wanted to submit a piece for the Halloween issue, but time was not on my side. So maybe maybe I'll be able to whip one up, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, a little leftover Halloween treat from my part because Halloween is just extended. Jumping into the review now. So we shall begin with Drabble and Flash and our first story, Canadian Deliverance by David K. Montoya. I, I have one Canadian in my house and the other pretty much next door uh, anymore. Uh, but I seriously anticipated this story ending with, I'm sorry, uh, instead of, I'm hungry. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> seriously, though. Um, can we also talk about how much naked land there is in Canada? Because sometimes I will look at like a, a Google Maps or whatever. Um and I'll just look at the aerial view and freak out. Uh, but regarding the actual story, uh, yes, yes, yes. Give me some Beckwoods slashers. I'm here for it. And I love it. And I think this was a perfect and awesome introduction to the Halloween issue. So fantastic work, Dave. Absolutely loved it. And next up, we have... The Promise by Gabriella Balcom. I bet those people won't dare to make fun of Sally now, right? <laughs> so I don't think it worked out too poorly for her, if I'm being completely honest. So yeah, another great, short and sweet and utterly spellbinding story from Gabriella Balcom. Excellent work. And next up we have The Well, part two. By Stephanie J. Barty. Okay, Samara. <laughs> these are my notes. If, if you guys haven't grasped that yet, I'm going off of my notes. And these are like my thoughts as they are happening as I'm reading this. <laughs> of course, Samara. I couldn't help it. Sorry. But I really, really like the idea of that. Um, the, the, tru the truest kind of terror of a well and what lives within, and hungering, and the want, and the weight, and the patience of it all. It was so utterly, delightfully macabre and creepy, and I loved it. 
excellent work stuff okay next up we have something better teaser number three millennium microbial and as always i love revisiting these characters so it's fun to go back and remember like karen's life before before everything hit the fan (laughs) really and choices were made so excited for this story's full release very very excited excellent work as always jim bates oh yeah i didn't put by jim bates but it's jim bates we know that Um, okay next up we have pumpkin patch by timothy law but what about toby pie sorry i had to make i had to make a that joke and it was totally wrong of me instead of pumpkin pie toby pie i'm sorry uh it was another excellent tale to welcome us into the halloween issue and i don't think it could be more perfect than homicide Uh, (laughs) i also like that we're left to wonder you know like at least i was wondering are the pumpkins the homicidal ones are they working in lieu with like a pumpkin whisperer are we dealing with a whisperers type situation from the walking dead and have like maniacs disguised as pumpkins point is excellent work as always tim uh and next up we have the time traveling healer episode seven by jim bates so with this one i decided to do a bit of a search because I can be a bit of a dunce at times, you know? So I looked up the meaning of the name Maddie and oh, 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 Jim, you were smart pants. (laughs) So again, though, I love this little piece and it just, it comes at you with this hope and this calm as we deal with the horrors of our, like our own realities of a pandemic. So as always, it was a beautiful addition. And next up, finally, we have The Bad Idea Fairy by Glenn Donaldson. I don't know, minus the flowery thongs, which were we talking about underwear or shoes? Because that that depends on territory across the country, across the world. Um, (laughs) These aren't all entirely bad ideas. You know, maybe I would have been a bit more receptive to doing better in school had I seen the poo emoji. I'm not sure. But uh, we won't know till we try, right? So <laughs> I think this was an absolutely entertaining and fun story that really, really highlighted and highlights Glenn's talent. So just a really interesting, fun story. I liked it. Great work. And next up, we have children's literature. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And we have The Neighbor, Chapter One by Timothy Law. Uh, this is this story gave me some major return to Oz vibes. Um, and it's easy to see the two kind of living synonymously within each other. The, just the way Tim writes. Like I could imagine Tim having written Return to Oz, right? Um <laughs> I I love, love, love the imagery and the setup. I also love how we're dealing with like the this this backyard world in such a vibrant and potentially life-threatening way. (laughs) I guess we'll have to wait for chapter two. I think we're headed into very interesting territory come part two, that's for sure. But I'd never expect anything less from Tim, so excellent work and a great introduction to not just uh, the story, but to the children's literature section slash genre. And next we will jump over to fantasy. And our first story... 
The Witch of the Highway by Ann Wooler. And uh, I thought, first and foremost, excellent choice of a name for a character, Jenna. I mean, come on. Come on now. Thank you. Um, I don't always get to see my name that often. Uh, Secondly, I loved this piece because of its originality. I think the way we delve into the magic and how it's utilized is really fascinating and fun. That and the characters make it super enjoyable. The narrative is fun and it's engaging while it's not distracting from the the reality and the 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 sadness of the situation and I just thought it was a whole lot of fun and interesting aspects in this piece uh that were there you know it's just a really cool story and I love how Anne writes absolutely a delightful story thank you for inviting us into this world and next up we have The Hill by Anne-Christine Tabaka I don't know why I'm introducing everybody with an accent. I'm sorry. I'm giddy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I did not need that cry that Anne gave me. Uh, But I, I wound up with it anyway. So there was something about this piece that is absolutely hauntingly, astonishingly peaceful and um, placating. You know what I mean? If there if there's any semblance of an afterlife, I definitely most look forward to seeing my dog to film. Um so of course this one this one hit a nerve for me because that's like you know, I, I get it. I I'm stumbling over my words because it hurt me like in that way that like I just miss my dog. Um <laughs> but going back to the story and not me crying like a baby. Um, Anne has such a melody to her work, you know, and we're we're so accustomed to reading her work as a poet. And it just translates so well and so beautifully into her stories. And it just absolutely a heart-wrenchingly gorgeous piece of art. And thank you very much. Um, and thank you for making me cry. I can always rely on Anne for that. <laughs> Her poems. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Spirit Leveler by Kate McDonald Dunbar. I loved this piece. Similar to um, Anne Wooler, like in knowing just how to deliver the subtleties of humor without like, overcompensating. I think Kate achieved something very, very unique and interesting in this piece. Not only are we in territory that's getting like turned on its head and not at all the the run of the mill, like, quote unquote, Ghostbuster trademark, um, but we're dealing with lore that I think is absolutely fascinating. I hate that these spirits are stuck among each other and not really aware of each other's existence, yet it plays so well into the concept that Kate presents like how they're stuck within their own tragedy and then the ending that also explores and and kind of delegates just how selfless our main character is you know she could have become like the other spirits like unknowing and unaware 
But here she was thinking of the others before herself, and I just thoroughly enjoyed this story. So excellent, excellent work, Kate. And next up, we have Night of the Bright Blue Bems, part two by Walter G. Esselman. Uh, yeah, I've also been bugging Walter and telling him how cute I think the bems are. So, <laughs> and I'm about to go into that that right now. Uh, so, of course, like, I'm awestruck by the story and the bems. <laughs> they are. Um, my favorite creatures from the Harry Potter series are the moon calves, which name is super macabre but uh, that being said I have to admit that this this one was probably one of my favorite chapters of Gideon and Pavitaro to date like I just loved this chapter so so much the action is delightful and intense but we never lose our characters in the rush of the action and I love that we really get to see like what this this band, this band is made up of. And not to mention the the imagery of the whole environment from the cave to like the cave dwellings. Um, you know, the 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 center of it all. Uh the presentation is just painted so beautifully, and I just adored every second of this chapter. So awesome, awesome, awesome work, Walter. And finally we have Petra's Tale Part 8 by Timothy Law. So I'm going to say this and I hope Tim understands my take because it may sound offensive initially, but I truly, truly mean it in the most complimentary of ways. Uh, this chapter made me sleepy. And again, the best of ways because, again, it's been a very stressful couple weeks. You know what I mean? Um, Months-ish? Year? It's been a minute. Um, It's been a while. And <laughs> the calm and solace of this chapter just it genuinely like made me unwind I had to sit back and just kind of like you know it it let me breathe for a minute and it was just so soothing um again the imagery stunning of course that's Tim's specialty that and his dialogue um but beyond that we really get to see the beauty of Petra and the Silva and their way of life. And it just made me happy and feel so calm and at peace. And that also being said, I have a feeling that we're going to be stepping into muddy territory any minute now. Uh, so <laughs> eager for that because we can't always have good things. Well, we have good things, but <laughs> excellent work, Tim. And now we move over to horror and our first story, A Hotel California Night. Part three by Linda M. Sov. And girl, I love me some good erotica. And Linda did a phenomenal job of like upping the ante this chapter. Um, in part two, we glimpsed what we could anticipate, you know. But here we are in a sort of Dracula's castle-esque scenario, and also Thank you. A nice little nod to the inclusivity of bisexuality. And I'm just antsy to see where we're headed. You know, after all, this story is still arranged. It's organized in the horror genre section. So that leaves me uh, kind of pursing my lips in, in anticipation, you know, uh, because 
what are we dealing with exactly? <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I'm very excited to see what Anna is set to face in the coming chapters. So delightfully delicious work, Linda. And next up, we have Penance Part Six, Marlin by Stephanie J. Barty, and you know that I am a fiend for background, so I love stepping back and seeing Marlon's perspective regarding his attachment to Reese. I also appreciate the nod to the idea of Stockholm Syndrome, and it begs the question, does Marlon like truly love and accept Reese for all that she is, or does he desire to change her, you know? So I I hope that all kind of gets explored as well. That all being said, I'm also appreciative of the fact that we're touching on subjects like far more powerful than love uh, or the magic, which is love. Um, There's a lot to be said for it being a catalyst in fantastical realms and stories. So I'm eager to see how that all transpires, because while we know that Marlon and Reese are together, we haven't fully explored how Reese handles the ideas and concepts of love when all she's familiar with is brutality and hate. And honestly, not to play devil's advocate here, but girls got the right idea tearing through these people who've caused her so much agony. Just saying, I'm a little bit totally on her side. So awesome story and addition, Stephanie. And now we move on to action and suspense in our first story, A Different Halloween, part two by Gabriella Balcom. So I knew with the story we were going to march headfirst into the idea of retribution and it was so well deserved. I love the monsters and the peculiar peculiarities of them and I really appreciate the ending because it leaves you wondering, you know, is, is Eileen one of them now? A nice little jaunt into... Indeed, a very different kind of Halloween. Excellent work, Gabriella. And next up, She's Not There by Dawn DeBrawl. Uh, thanks, Dawn, <laughs> because now it's there again. Uh, the, it's been several days since I've read this story, and She's Not There by the Zombies is still stuck in my head, and it's now, like, just re revamped. Uh, but in all seriousness, I absolutely adore how Dawn used the idea of music to steer the story because there are times it works and times it just falls flat and luckily it very much works here and I just love how the opening chapter was very much a response to the opening lines of she's not there too I don't know if that was intentional but Dawn's smart so I think it was Uh, but my brain read it as such and I enjoyed it very very much I also appreciate the subtleties of, like, Ted's personality. They're sprinkled throughout, you know. He felt entitled to her from the beginning. And that's just, that's a little too real, a little too scary. So, awesome work. Don, love it. And next up we have Scratch by Steve Carr. Yes, yes, yes. I think this is the perfect Halloween story. I... I don't know if anyone else remembers this, but a while ago, maybe a year or two ago, uh, there was this app that took off and you'd put in your emotional destination, I think was pretty much how it worked. Like you would you would put in that you want to be happy or you want to be scared or something like that. 
and the app would give you coordinates within, you know, a reasonable traveling distance. And you'd come upon something that would make you feel as such, whatever your destination was. So, of course, people would put in, like, I want to be terrified, you know, (laughs) and they'd come across really insane, messed up things. Uh, This one person, it was, you can look this one up and I'll try to find it, actually. Um, A group of people, I'm not sure. They actually came upon, like, a duffel bag or a suitcase filled with human remains. They had washed up on shore on the coastline. And that, that one was legit. Like, that legitimately happened. Others, I'm not sure. Uh, and of course, the red could, rust could have easily been faked, but is popular and so, so easy to obsess over because what was happening, you know, it was insane. And it obviously took off on social media and became this huge trend. And even I was just enamored with it. Point being, <laughs> I swear there was a point. I think Steve did a phenomenal job delivering a story about the horrors of social media and trends and just not paying attention. I loved this story with every ounce of my being. Awesome, awesome, awesome work. And next up, we have Corporal Clark by Kate McDonald Dunbar. Uh, This is another one of Kate's that really allows her to shine in her style and delivery. And I love that we, the audience, are experiencing this narration as though we're speaking with like an old friend, you know? I think Kate does that so well in her work. And again, touching upon the the hints of humor, uh, keeping it light here and there, and then hitting us with the heavier-handed subjects in a way that never feels awkward or inorganic. And I love Kate's voice. Excellent, excellent work. And next up we have The End. Story 3, Welcome to Haven by David K. Montoya. So I'm still catching up on this story. So please be patient with me. I'm going from like both ends (laughs) as we're progressing uh, and trying to meet somewhere in the middle eventually. So anyway, if you've played Resident Evil 7 and 8, you might know where my brain has kind of lingered and that uh, secrets are not great and stand a chance at playing a major role in the onslaught of absolute destruction with the uh, reanimated dead, you know? So just just getting a bit of uh, Mia and Nathan Winters vibes here is all I'm saying. <laughs> but seriously, coming in at the end and catching up is awful because I know there's so much content I'm missing. So I'm going to go off of the skill of the story. I love the delivery and the ability to capture the alarm and confusion our poor narrator is dealing with. I think it's safe to say we have a long way to go with this story. So I'm very excited. And now we move on to science fiction Not so much a double feature because we only have one story in the science fiction uh, genre, but I'm going to say it anyway. Science fiction double feature. Uh, And our story is Dead Space by David K. Montoya. Uh, Nope. 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 I hate the idea of alien space zombie-like creatures. How... How does the saying go in in space no one can hear you scream? Nope. That is a big fat no from me. Uh, But 
beyond that, <laughs> which is good, you know, because that genuinely creeps me out. Uh, I enjoyed the story immensely. I was hooked to it from the get go, waiting to see where exactly we were going on this journey because the isolation of it all. Uh, yeah, that was, that was spooky, <laughs> to put it lightly. Haunting and terrible in the best way. Uh, I also adored the end. I think it was the perfect closing and it just worked so well. Perfectly. Amazingly. Love it. All right. And finally, we have humor and our story, Home Visit by James Rumpel. I think everybody deserves some kind of a award for making this issue so phenomenal uh, because... Once again, for the Halloween issue especially, James just left me in absolute awe and astonishment. I don't know if I can express my adoration of this story because it's just so delightful. I love the idea of this baby, I'm assuming werewolf, um, and all the little nods throughout. James is so masterful in how he gives us the information to piece together and it just always pays off in the end. I don't think you could ever not feel rewarded reading a James Rumpel story. Um, other than admitting my absolute love of this story, I don't know what else to say except that James always impresses me. And this was just one of the best things I've ever gotten the honor to read. So thank you very much, James. And now we shall jump over to Poetry. And our first piece, All Hallows' Eve, by Gabriella Balcom. Uh, yes, that is what I'm talking about. I love that Gabriella steered out of the usual territory and gave us a deliciously creepy poem that had me giddy from the get-go. I love this arrangement and it works so well with so well with Gabriella's strengths. So I just thought it was an absolutely delightful piece. Also a terrific opener for the Halloween issues poetry. So excellent work, Gabriella. And next piece we have Talking to My Mortician by Linda Imbler. Give me all the macabre work. I love this piece because, well, it's frankly right up my alley uh, in terms of subjects that I love to go on and on about. And just ask anybody around me that mortuary science and all of that is something that I could talk I could talk your ear off uh, about anyway uh so of course I'm thrilled that Linda gave us this piece that just it fed my soul honestly I like the idea of the mortician being very much not unlike a hairdresser or, or like a nail you know a, a nail technician uh, and that folks go to get their hair or nails done whatever they go to get beauty maintenance uh and it's like therapy, you know, you're speaking with somebody who is, you know, doing this beautiful art on your body, tattoos even, <laughs> you name it. Anyway, point is, it's like therapy. So I think that's like a fun little nod to the ultimate, uh, you know, I guess we could say beauty maintenance would be a mortician, right? Uh, if you believe in embalming. And not believe in, but if you if you uh, enjoy the idea of embalming, anyway, I love it, Linda. Excellent, excellent, excellent work. And next up, we have "Breath of Fall" by Stephanie J. Barty. I love the feeling that this poem created for me. 
Uh, it's like like Lorelai Gilmore. <laughs> she always points out before it snows, just that ever so subtle shift in the air, and you know it's autumn. And it's probably one of my favorite feelings ever. And of course, I think Steph did a beautiful job in capturing that feeling on a level so much deeper. <laughs> so magnifico, beautiful. And next up, we have Broken Chains by On Christine Tabaka. And On always has a way of broaching pain in such a masterfully beautiful way that just stings and wounds, but always feels so knowing and vital to our emotions as human beings. All the joys and the ugliness of life, the hurt and the maliciousness we face. So... This piece, of course, it takes all the marks of the reality of love lost or, or of moving on and still feeling, I guess, like paused, not stuck, just paused until the healing has progressed and you can begin the journey of moving forward. So beautiful work. I love it. And next up, we have Heroes by David Painter. Uh, I think there is a real art to the landscape that David was painting. And I am so sorry for the pun. You can fire me now. Uh, But I couldn't not. There's a calm to this tone about something so visceral and real for so many. And I think David did a beautiful job in capturing the the hero's return and the eternity of wars and various wars. So excellent work, David. And next up, we have Of Trees and the Forest by Scott Thomas Outler. So there were definite notes of Bukowski here, and I appreciate them all. (laughs) Not outright nihilism, just a very poignant and interesting social commentary. So, and I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in saying that is what Scott has really done a phenomenal job addressing, not just in this work, but in his previous previously published pieces. So meticulous and fascinating. And next up, we have Low Flying Fairy by Kate McDonald Dunbar. Do fairies live by wine mom culture, do you think? That'd be interesting. Uh, I think that'd be funny, actually. (laughs) But I can't think of any adequate puns regarding that. So anyway, I love this piece, the lightness of it, and just the absolute whimsy and delight of it all. It's just a fun, silly piece that makes me giggle and smile. So lovely, lovely work, Kate. And next up, a cliche a day keeps the doctor away by Peggy Gerber. And I love cliches, okay? I love that Peggy just utilized them in the best of ways to create a wonderfully coherent and hilarious and whimsical poem that again had me smile I just enjoyed it so much and I would print this and slap it on my wall it makes me that happy if I had a designated writing room too I'd I'd for sure put it up in there so Peggy let's get on it come on we gotta market it seriously I love this poem all right and next up we have under the beautiful moon in a dark place by John Chanaka Onyechi absolutely stunning and gorgeous work. My jaw was honestly, it was hanging open for the first line. Uh, quote, last night I became one with the stars. Just stunning and beautifully posed in the most perfect introduction to this poem that reaches uh, to explore the ideas of death and not just its meaning, but what it means to be dead. Uh, Fears to live without a name muffled us into pains. 
probably one of my favorite lines I've ever read. Uh, just astonishing. I am in absolute awe. Beautiful, beautiful work, John. And finally, we have The Numbness That Haunts Inside by Kevin Magnus. So I have a pretty good idea about the origin of this poem, and I can honestly say that uh, Kevin nailed it (laughs) on the head with a single strike. Uh, The numbness, I think it's the I think it's one of the worst feelings Uh, (laughs) only because you you know you want to feel like you there's a want to want to feel something but at the same time you're you're glad you're not because to feel it would just be excruciating but the numbness that that purgatory it's just so painful you know it it, in a it's so hard to explain but Kevin did it so well and harnessed it very meticulously and very intelligently. Uh, the 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 whole state of mind to that emotion, to that feeling, to that lack of feeling, he did perfect, perfect in giving us the the notion of what it means. So excellent work, Kevin. All right, guys, and now we shall jump over to the art section and our first piece. Halloween Time by Zoe M. Montoya. Uh, yes, we went traditional this month, and we love to see it. So first and foremost, your eyes cannot not go straight to that jack-o'-lantern and its perfection. The thing is amazing. I may have to talk to Zoe to help me with the rejuvenated Scarefair logo for 2022 because I love that pumpkin. Uh, I also love that she was able to convey the the tool of the skirt on her witch. I just, excellent work, Zoe. All right, next up, Dead I See You by Stephanie J. Barty. The eyes dead for sure. <laughs> the haunting eyes is what they are. So, what absolutely struck me when I first saw this is the the contoured shading of the cheeks and the jaw. That sunkenness can be really tricky to do just right, you know. But wham bam, it's done right. So smooth and subtle and amazing. Yes, yes, yes. I scream yes a lot in my notes, you guys. So I have to. I have to emote that somehow. All right. And next up, Frankie by some girl named Jenna Sparks. I will say a thing. I did prepare a statement for this one. Every time I do a piece, nine times out of 10, it's specifically with the goal to have an excuse to watch and rewatch my favorites on repeat. And one of my favorite lines from Rocky Horrors during Rose Tint My World, when Janet sings, his lust is so sincere. It was so hard not to sing that just now. Uh, it, it to me, it's the most defining uh, to the character of Frankenfurter beyond the madness and 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 homicide and murder and everything else. So yeah, I have a ton of Rocky Horror pieces that I plan on doing. So this this one's not the last, but yeah. Anyway, the the whole thing is the the piece is actually titled uh, "His Lust is So Sincere," so that's why I wrote that. Okay, next up, My Magic by Rebecca Illich. One 
thing I absolutely hate about myself is how uneducated I am in the anime realm. I'm I'm getting there gradually. Uh, so I'm catching up, guys. Just slow, okay? Uh, but I, I asked Rebecca who this character is and then looked him up and holy crap. So that will probably be something I start down uh, the road at some point with this character and that anime. Can we take a moment to again marvel at the way Rebecca draws eyes and hair? Uh, gorgeousness ensued and I am absolutely in love. I always point out how tricky hair is, especially, especially in anime or uh, manga style. And I always wind up so envious because it's hard. So excellent work. And next we have The Untitled by Ryan Scherfenberg. Well, hello, sleep paralysis demon at my window knocking. <laughs> Those eyes are maddeningly terrorizing, and they almost made me want to cry. Like, they just reached into my soul, man. Uh, <laughs> but I I definitely felt, felt something deep within me that is uncomfortable in the best of ways. <laughs> but I love everything about it. And I I absolutely love the the unsettlingness unsettlingness <laughs> whatever the right word is I just loved it. And finally we have Bioshock by Vincent May. At Scarefair I got to sit right next to Vince, and it's been a minute since I've gotten to see his work up close and personal, and not on a computer screen. And <sighs> seeing his stuff like in print in front of my face was just mesmerizing and so freaking stunning and immaculate. The cleanliness just haunts me because it's like, how how do I do that? How do I get clean lines like that? Even digitally, unless I'm vectorizing. Oof. Okay. Anyway, I love this Bioshock piece because it's just absolute perfection and a perfect homage to an excellent game. Absolutely phenomenal work. And now um, I'm taking over the review section. Oh boy. First up, we have our interview with Stephanie J. Barty by C.W. Winter. And this month we get to sit down with author and my new neighbor in an interview with Stephanie J. Barty, exploring her writing quirks, habits, and her own history of writing. And it's a fun read and we get to hear about her takes on being a part of the world of myth family and so much more goodness. So give that a look-see. And we have the review for My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To by Et Moi, Jenna Sparks. And that movie was amazing. It was so good. I keep like trying to remind myself to make Joe watch it. It's so good. It's so different, so unique. Um, probably, probably one of the best modern. I wouldn't call it horror, but definitely um, intense stories. It's really, really good. So I encourage everybody to read and then watch the film, or watch the film and then read the review. Next up, we have the review of William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist by Misha Chevry. Uh, and this was an excellent review of an excellent year-round year read, but best come time for Halloween. 
Uh, Misha Chevary dives headfirst into her fear of the novel and film The Exorcist. And spoiler alert, it's not just Father Damien who may or may not have had the most ideal ending per the circumstances. Uh, But Misha also reigned and controlled the fear that haunted her regarding the story too. So also if anybody is a fan or is curious, there's a game series available called Dark, Dark Pictures Dark Picture Anthology anthologies uh start typing it it'll come up and the games are so much fun and I talk about them all the time and uh they they tend to have some significant historical storylines so we have Man of Madon with some witch trials etc and their newest one which I just started playing is about Sumerian and Sumerians and Mesopotamia and we have touched upon the subject of Pazuzu. So if you're curious, go read The Exorcist followed by spending 15 hours, fifteen to 20 hours uh, trapped underground being hunted by vampiric-like demons. The game is also called uh, uh, House of Ashes. <laughs> and next up we have Seamus Heaney, The Romantic by Michael A. Arnold. In this review, Michael navigates the curious nature of romanticism found in a work where one might not have expected it, especially from a poet who's not typically regarded as romantic. And we are also invited to understand the poetic essence of the term sensation and its meaning. Weaving through the ways Seamus Heaney utilized this technique and the idea in his earlier poetry and poems from later in life. Excellent and intriguing read and a very, very educational. And next we have the art review, Review of the Angel of the North by Michael A. Arnold. And here we travel to the northeastern area of England to visit the Angel of the North, a giant spectacle, and I mean gigantic, uh, that has been the subject of conversation since its completion in 1998. And in addition to learning about what might be considered controversial opinions from the locals, We also take in a narrative from Michael about the concepts of evolving tastes of art and the depiction of appeal. And finally, we have the commentary, uh, the board of directors minutes from a meeting in September uh, where everybody discusses Scarefare and so many other things that, quite frankly, I do not have the emotional wherewithal to go over right now. So go read it if you <laughs> if you really need to know and see what happened. Not a whole lot of anything except for a couple questions. Uh, but yeah, there again, we are going to have another meeting. I say we. Uh, there's going to be another meeting coming up here soon. So stay tuned for that. And that's it. I'm out of breath. Joe is usually a very good buoy for me to stop and catch my breath. But that was that was. That was rough. Just me screaming into the open air by myself. (laughs) There you have it. The Halloween issue. Everybody who submitted did an awesome, awesome job. And I cannot even thank you all from the bottom of my heart with words. You guys knocked it out of the park and delivered an excellent, excellent, spooky terrifying, haunting, delightful, and whimsical uh, magazine, and I love every... There was not a bad story. There was not one. There, Everything was phenomenal, and um, yeah, so I vote we just skip 
the next 12 months and um, get right back to the next Halloween issue. So until next time, you can find us at theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. I can't remember what Joe's exit line is, so I'm just going to say mine. Until next time. <laughs>